The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special Sunday edition of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network. Happy Sunday morning to you all as we recap the highs and lows from Elimination Chamber Perth going down in Australia yesterday morning at 5 o'clock a.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. Pacific time, and every time zone in between. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right hand, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner, And you know what time it is. You know what month it is. It means that at least once a month, we bring to you Perky Scott Young. Welcome back, Perky. Thank you for having me, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. This is a good show. Not great. Not not nothing I'll probably remember to talk about except for a couple moments, but it was a good show. Uh, Like we were talking about off air, not a lot of meat on the bone, but what I got on the bone was good. There was some good seasoning on the bone, to be absolutely fair. The meat fell off the bone, basically is kind of set for WrestleMania. But as we talked about earlier this week, it was about as to be expected. It was going to be a very predictable show. And predictability is not always a bad thing. But, you know, I came away satisfied with the show. I braved the elements. I woke up at 4.30 to watch the pre-show match between the Kabuki Warriors and Andy Hartwell and Candice LeRae for the women's tag team titles. I soldiered through. As I told Scott off the air, I kind of got a little sleepy around 7.30 a.m. Eastern time period, but I made it through the show and I was asleep before 9 a.m. Got me maybe four and a half hours in after soldiering through live with the people on the timeline which was a lot of fun very upbeat and very happy early in the morning for the wrestling peeps out there yeah y'all can have that you know (laughs) y'all 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 can have that um shout shout out to shout out to everyone overseas who uh, i know are watching these ple's live because uh if y'all doing this every month hats off Y'all some real ones, because y'all better than me. (laughs) The late night warriors, for sure. The UK fans, especially, they're up like, what, one o'clock in the morning watching Monday Night Raw and these PLEs every single month. The Aussies are lucky because they get to watch in the morning time. 
But if you're overseas, like early in the morning, late at night, it is a chore. And we thank them for their support as always, because I cannot imagine being up that late. But I did so for reasons because, hey, I was going to be up. I was going to try to watch the show live. And I did. And it was a fairly enjoyable experience, I must say. But before we dive into the show itself, I do want to talk about some NBA talk because I cannot let Scott off the hook because on Thursday we resume play after the All-Star break and just so happens we had the Warriors and the Lakers play and even though LeBron did not play due to an ankle injury on Thursday, the Warriors in fact won that game and I want Scott's thoughts on that. I I don't really think much of it. Uh, I thought the... The Warriors look good. I mean, not much to really say. We didn't play well. Anthony Davis looked lethargic out there. And um, without the, the 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 court general, LeBron James, oh my God. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they, <laughs> they lost. Listen, when he showed up the next night, came out with 30 points, you know, they, they took care of business. So I don't think much of it. Um, they don't want to see us in the playoffs. Uh, the Warriors are rolling right now. We'll say that the small ball lineup they got going on with uh, Draymond Kaminga and uh, and little Carrot Top over there. They they got some rolling. <laughs> I can't with you. I I am not going to acknowledge the court general with LeBron. He is not Gunther. Okay, stop. He's a hey. That man is a genius. The man <laughs> runs the court, and people bow down when he walks out there. He demands respect. Oh, my God. Because the court is sacred, according to LeBron. Absolutely. Whatever. Okay. Rich Paulus is Ludwig. Facts. But he ain't getting biscuits out of me. Just make sure he takes care. Just make sure he takes care of Adele and we're good. Okay. Yeah. You you ain't got to worry about that. I'm pretty sure they. Oh, oh, biscuits. You want biscuits? Hey, hey. Can I get some biscuits here in about 15 minutes? Thank you. Fresh. (laughs) Thank you. Ludwig, you come bring me the biscuits. Not Ludwig delivering the biscuits. That's what we're not going to do. Ludwig is no one's butler, okay? Do not do that. Do not mater D Ludwig. Nah, no doubt. No doubt. Shout out to Ludwig. Yes, shout out. Shout out to him. And a uh, brief look at the standings. Very tight still. We have the Timberwolves who lost to the Bucks on Friday. 40 and 17, the Thunder are one game out, or half a game, I should say, 39 and 17. Clippers are 37 and 18 in the three spot. Nuggets, 38 and 19 in the in the fourth spot. Pelicans, 34 and 23, six games back. The Mavericks are 33 and 23, six and a half games back. Kings, 32 and 23. The Suns, 33 and 24. Then the Lakers and the Warriors fill out the top 10 and we know the Lakers and Warriors are trying to get out of the plan and get into that top six. Is it possible? Yes. With under 30 games to go in the season. Yeah, I, I think we're definitely going to get the six seed. I, I think we're going to go on a nice run. Um, we're going to get guys back healthy. We're still not hundred percent healthy. Vando's still not playing. I think they've, you know, D is finally kind of acknowledged that you don't play Terry and Prince 40 minutes. So that's been a big help. Jackson Hayes has been, playing just the energy he's bringing off the bench has been uh, infectious. 
Uh, we still have the biggest bandit in NBA history, Gabe Vincent, on the roster. So hopefully he can at least hit a couple shots when he, whenever he decides to play. Because apparently he's been hurt all year, just collecting a paycheck. So there's that. But outside of that, I'm very confident we get to that six seed. It's very possible. We shall see how it goes in the next couple of months. And before we get to our Elimination Chamber review, we teased the discussion Wednesday morning on The Wrap, and we are going to talk about it right now, begrudgingly, because we teased it, because we have to discuss NXT things with Dijak holding Joe Gacy hostage in a glass trophy case with the man in a straight jacket. And all I have to say is what in the 50 shades of black is this? Um... Uh, so you know you know we 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 we've we've come to to acknowledge and expect dijack to you know run with this bondage thing at first i thought he just had a hard on for for Ilya, you know and i get it he, you know he gets you all fired up and high you got him in a steamy room and y'all both got black leather on you know it is what it is i'm not getting this one with the straight jacket in the in the, in the trophy case this is your, this is your trophy this man in a straight jacket squats over here come on man what what, what are we doing <laughs> it is bizarre okay and this guy just constantly smiles while he's being held captive yeah i, I don't know who they think they're doing this for or who this is who this is for uh what audience they're looking i know we're going to the cw and they do some weird stuff on there they got some weird shows on there so i don't know if they're like, hey, we got this whenever y'all ready to get kinky. You know what I'm saying? We we got this ready for you. Look at Dijak. Um, but this uh this ain't it. And the worst part about all of this is that Joe Gacy is going to get his win over Dijak. Like that that's you know what I'm saying? He's he's going to get the big win over Dijak when Dijak should essentially be going after the the NXT title after uh stand and deliver. Yes, this will depress me to no end because Gacy's got to get his win back. He's got to even the rivalry, and he has to do it probably at Stand and Deliver, and I do not know why, but here we are. And like I said before, Joe Gacy is really talented as a wrestler. This gimmick sucks on every level, and I don't know who this caters to. Honestly, the S&M crowd, I think not. I know we're moving to the C-Dub in a few months, but even the C-Dub has moved away from really choicey programming. So I don't know who this is going after here. I don't know what the target demo is going to be for an angle like this, but it is so dumb and over the top and cringe. I'm like, this is the best we can do with Joe Gacy, who's very talented, but the smiling, the not taking any of this seriously, no selling pain, and Dijak is getting all mean muggy. He yells in a real whispery voice, and he doesn't scare anybody because this guy continuously laughs in his face in a glassed trophy case. Help me understand why am I watching this, and why should I care about their rematch? Because I don't. No, I'm not going to help you do that. Um, <laughs> you know, you won't. You won't ask me to do that. So. Um, but you know, the, 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 the match will probably be fine. The match will be fine. It's going to be full of gimmicks. Um, our, our luck, it'll be a, a, a house of horrors match, you know, and it'll all be backstage in his, in his little dungeon. And you got to go through each, each one of the rooms and get through the bondage 
you know, break free of the bondage to to get to the boss, which is Dijak at the end. It'll be something ridiculous like that. But it is what it is. You know, it doesn't take too much time. That's was this is why I uh usually watch my shows on about a 15 minute delay. <laughs> to avoid things like this, which I totally understand, but we had to talk about it since we teased it on the show a couple of days ago, but now we move forward as we move on to our Elimination Chamber Perth review going down last night, early Saturday morning in Perth, Australia. I really enjoyed the visuals of this show. Beautiful city. I loved everything about how it was shot. We had a couple of technical difficulties in terms of stuff being mistimed, but overall, I thought the production values for this show was great. And this pyro budget was insane. This was WrestleMania level pyro and fireworks that were fired off. And I got a couple of people in particular, I got a call out because the fireworks were egregious. Yeah, not only that. That's um, you know, I I get Cody's the guy. He's the guy. He's the white knight. But you know, Rhea Ripley had her big stomp, and all y'all gave her was just a basic little boom and 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 the cane pyro. Yeah, <laughs> y'all, y'all y'all couldn't give her some pyro in the backdrop. She couldn't get the the sky dome pyro like for her big entrance as she's holding the belt, just sitting there laughing. Like her laughing would have just been perfect with just a ton of pyro just going off in the background and she's just maniacally laughing as she's in her home state and the her her home country and everyone's just going crazy like i i don't know i i just feel like cody didn't need all that because he got two yes he got the stage he got the ring and even seth was like all right dude that's cool bro like i'm still here i'm the champ dude like I, I get why people turn on Cody. I get it. <laughs> we'll get to Cody later. We will. Because, yeah, the allocation of fireworks was definitely a choice, but we'll get to that later. But I just love the aesthetic of the show. Very beautiful venue. And I appreciated the fans. They were hot most of the show from Optus Stadium. As we kick things off with the women's Elimination Chamber match, the winner will face whoever comes out of Rhea Ripley versus Nia Jax for the Women's World Championship at WrestleMania. And it was the following in terms of the ladies entering the chamber. It was Bianca Belair, Raquel Rodriguez, we had Liv Morgan, Becky Lynch, Tiffany Stratton, and Naomi. With Becky Lynch and Naomi being the pace setters as the first two in the match, thought they set the tone nice for five good minutes. Love the counters throughout their interactions together. And then, who I deem the MVP of this match, Tiffany Stratton comes in third, and I thought she put on a show. Now, I watched SmackDown, the taped edition, the night before, hours before Elimination Chamber, and I really enjoyed her match against Liv Morgan, and it felt like she was finally getting comfortable on the main roster with the pacing and how you don't practice everything like you did on NXT, and you're playing before thousands of fans, not hundreds, as we talked about earlier this week as well, and she was over with this crowd they loved her she stood out in a good way she was there for every spot she and naomi worked great together we had some great high spots from naomi as well a split off the cage to becky lynch on the floor 
And Tiffany was balling out, getting the crowd into it, showing off her agility and athleticism as well. Then we got Raquel in the mix, followed by Liv and Bianca. And I thought Liv as well was another MVP. She worked her ass off and she did a crazy set on off the pod to Raquel, her former tag team partner and one half of the women's tag team champions last year. Hit it perfectly on Raquel. And shout out to Raquel, too. She's going through some health issues right now. I had a flare-up before this show, and she braved through it all and still put up a heck of a performance. Bianca Belair always putting in that work as the ring general in this case as well. And I really enjoyed the flow of this match. Great high spots. Tiffany hits set top off the pod onto everyone it ranks uh, to everyone it ranks out on the floor. And then she eliminates, as Scott predicted, Naomi from the chamber first. Yeah, I uh, I just had a feeling she was going to get herself a former champion. Uh, Naomi, I, I wasn't expecting it to be that early. And I I will I will go as far as to say this. I think this is probably the best outing Tiffany has ever had in any WWE form. That includes her matches with Becky and her, and her matches with Roxanne. I I thought she looked tremendous throughout this entire match. Um, I mean, you everything you talked about was spot on. She when she was at the top of the pod and the crowd's going crazy and she hit her wrist and she said, "Hey, y'all know what time it is." The crowd, I, she can she can be a top tier babyface in this company, man. Like the women that they have, I, I, I just you have an abundance of of talent, of uh, just a wealth, man. Like we ain't even talking about Jade yet, and she's a megastar just waiting to be put put on the screen. Tiffany, I I, I was blown away by Tiffany in this match. I I would have I would have kept her in longer, man. I I thought she was tremendous. And we'll Liv Morgan, man. I there has to be a plan of her because she's been she's come up second in every one of these matches to get a title match. She's been right there every single time. Um she's my early pick to win money in the bank because I could I see a heel turn coming. The way she embraced those boos when she pinned Tiffany and just soaked it all in. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe you, maybe you might just start go bad again and start jumping off stuff, you know. And I, and I, I might, I might rock with it because I, I, I saw that moment and I rocked with it. But I, again, this match to me, I know Becky won and Bianca looked great as always. She's a, she's a queen, but this was all about Tiffany. We won't talk about Naomi being eliminated first in Black History Month, but. <laughs> We, we we won't we won't talk about that and it also happened in the men's chamber match but that's all you know I, I don't know i don't know maybe i'm just maybe maybe i'm just pulling straight i don't know you know i'm just i'm just reading the dots you know i'm just connecting the dots here but it's near here there this is all about tiffany she looked great uh four four and a quarter pre, four and a quarter prettiest moonsaults Yes, I loved it. I was very sad when Tiffany was eliminated by Liv, who I love when she hit the avalanche oblivion for the win, for the win for this match in terms of getting Tiffany out of there. And the fans were upset. And I think from that moment on, the crowd was like deflated a bit. Like it was like, oh, Tiffy is gone and no more Tiffy time. But Tiffany was so great. I agree. This might have been her finest performance 
ever in a WWE ring to date. And in this structure, in this country, she was exceptional. The fans viewed her as a star and that has carryover stateside as well, I do believe, because when you see her performance and the rave reviews she got, she's only going to get moreover the more she works in front of people. And I think she does have what it takes to be a good baby face in the next year or so. The fans want to cheer for her. And at some point, WWE has to stop fighting that kind of similar to, to what LA Knight went through last year as well. After this feud with the late great Bray Wyatt, that the fans just want to gravitate towards him and cheer for him. And they got the hint eventually. And Tiffany's a good heel, but I think the money in her is being a babyface long term. And Raquel, she was a powerhouse as well. Bianca hitting that DDT off the chain of the chamber to the floor is pretty sweet as well. And she lays out Raquel with the KOD for the victory. And then Liv rose up Bianca Belair and a shocker. And then immediately Becky Lynch hits the man, hits the. I'm trying to, my mind is blanking. She hits the um, the man slam. Thank you for the victory. I want to say the manhandle slam. I think that's the proper name for the finisher for the win. That was a little bit too quick for me because I'm like, um, can we take a breath between moves? It was all so sudden. And once again, Liv came up short, runner up once again. Becky Lynch punches her ticket to WrestleMania to face the winner of Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax. But all in all, I thought this was my favorite match from the show. It was really good. They got a lot of time because historically speaking, the women's chamber matches go kind of short. I'm like, why is it like 15, 20 minutes? They got a good half an hour in of really quality action throughout. And unfortunately, Naomi was eliminated first. Tiff, she was eliminated too soon for me, but she left an impression. And I think that that's going to really build her up heading into WrestleMania season. And I would still love to see Bianca versus Tiffany. That could be awesome if they opt to go in that direction. So, you know, it, it's it, interesting that you bring up Bianca because you know, I wanted to mention something. It, I thought it was very telling the way she reacted in the corner after she lost the match. She got rolled, she got rolled up, and then you know, Becky got the pin and everything happened. Bam, bam, bam. And her reaction was like, yo, that that's it. It was almost like that's that was my shot. That was it. When you think about her. In storyline, she has been in a title match the last three years, been in, you know, and had just great matches every year. Asuka, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, historic matches, great matches. Um, and now this year, she she doesn't have a path. She doesn't have a goal set. She doesn't have anything to go after right right now. I think that's a very interesting story to take with Bianca because we've seen her be so dominant for so many years and the crowd has not turned on her yet. They've started tried to once and everybody shut that down real quick. Not happening with this queen, but we haven't seen her unsure, uncertain. We haven't seen her not have a certain path. And I, I think they have a very intriguing story that they can tell here with Bianca Belair. So I, I'm very curious to see what path they take. Do they go with her and, you know, Jay coming? Hey, let's go and take these tag titles. Do they, do they do something like that? Do they have her go after Tiffany since, you know, um, well, Tiffany, do they have Tiffany go after her since t- she eliminated Tiffany? Do they have her go after Liv since Liv, you know, what does Bianca do now? Cause she doesn't have the title match to go after like she does every year. I think it's a very intriguing story. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is. It's like she's been on top for so long. Always a champion, either the champion or vying for the championship at WrestleMania. And now she doesn't have that this year. And I'm very curious to see how they're going to build up her match at WrestleMania in the next month or so. There's a number of options they could go in. You got Liv, you got Tiffany, you have Jade as a potential tag team partner against the Kabuki Warriors. And I think either option is not wrong. I think either way, it's a win for Bianca Belair to do something different when she's not vying for the women's championship out of WrestleMania and trying to maintain her undefeated streak at the exact same time. So I like the fact that she's so disappointed, the realization that there is no path for you in terms of a championship match at WrestleMania, but there's a way for you to get on this card somehow in the next month or so. Very intriguing story there. We expect her to be in a prime spot at WrestleMania. No doubt about that. But I do want to get into some discourse that I saw on the timeline earlier today that got my attention. Now, Scott, I have read from several think pieces on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call the app these days that Becky Lynch is overpushed. <laughs> that's so that that's clear you know when you, you didn't tell me what it was but you you know I, you told me hey I, you know I want to bring this up and I immediately I thought yeah you're bringing this up it's some nonsense and that's exactly what this is it's some nonsense it's clearly from people who have not watched the product like what she did with Tiffany Stratton you know those matches she had when she lost the title to Lyra like there's a, like she she gained something from that and to say, like Becky hasn't been on top Becky hasn't been a champion since Bianca beat her she took a L to Nia Jax straight clean in the jaw on a huge Monday Night Raw what are we talking about like Becky shouldn't be losing to any anybody else like she shouldn't just be taking random losses but she's not winning the big one this is the first big one she won. She didn't win the Rumble. What what are we talking about right now that she's overpushed? Wh- wh- where is she overpushed? Who is she being overpushed? Like who's who's being underpushed because of her overpush? Who's losing their push? I I picked Liv. I I think Liv versus Rhea is the story, but that's not a bigger match than her versus Becky. The man versus mommy. Like what are we talking about? This is some of the most ridiculous uh, discourse I, I've heard. Becky Lynch is overpushed in the year 2023-2024 when she went down to NXT, elevated NXT because they got a boost in the ratings. There's no denying that. People showed up to see what she had to do. And again, she put over a young champion, clean in the middle of the ring, no shenanigans. What are we talking about? What are we talking about, man? That, that is nonsense.
I, I thought Becky Lynch had a great year. You said a word and I saw that this morning and I'm like, what's happening? I delete a tweet. I had to, de- I had to delete a tweet because someone was getting really disrespectful about Becky in my comments. I'm like, where is this coming from? Because as you said, she has not been a champion in terms of the main roster in over two years. She won the NXT Women's Championship from Tiffany Stratton. But the fact is she elevated Tiffany to the point that Tiff's on the main roster now. And she had a standout performance at Elimination Chamber. Becky Lynch was feuding with Trish Stratus for most of the last year or so. And she put over Mother Stratus in Saudi Arabia. And they had a great Stu Cage match just a few months ago. So I don't know what the discourse is about. Really, she put over Lyra Valkyria, who I think still needs some seasoning in terms of figure out her personality. But Becky was giving to her, and she said she's the one that I want to take this championship. I'm the, she's the one I choose to elevate in this situation. And she left NXT in good hands, and she elevated that show and moved numbers, and she pulled a million, pulled a million viewers for her championship matches. Those are facts, point blank, period. And she. Lost to Nia Jax, as you said, clean as a sheet. No shenanigans, got knocked out and sold it and got Nia over as a monster that people needed to take seriously that enabled her to be in the main event of Elimination Chamber against Rhea Ripley in her home country. So I don't understand this notion that Becky Lynch is overpushed. When? We're going back to when Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley had a stare down nearly two years ago. And the fact is, Rhea wasn't even champion yet. So they've been holding off on this match for over a year. So where is the overpushing? I don't see it. I don't get it. And I know that we have a lot of people that love Liv. I love Liv too, but I'm sensing that fans have a problem with what went down at Elimination Chamber. But to say that Becky Lynch is overpushed, that is not the correct answer. It does not make sense. It does not track in my timeline whatsoever. It's just like I said, they're not watching the product. And I, you know, I, again, I don't want to spend too much time because this is, this is nonsense. I, I utter nonsense. I, I think it's a crazy talk. When Becky Lynch was NXT champion, by the way, she was having these open challenges. Women who have not been on TV since that got got you know title shots got tv time on monday night raw because of her because of her if 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 becky lynch is not having those title matches they're not getting on tv indy hartwell has been on tv like five times one of those five times was because of becky lynch like tegan knox has got more tv time with the becky lynch thing and got more steam with her story with natalia because of the, like everything I got I, I, this. It's it's nonsense. That that's nonsense. Everything Becky Lynch has done in the past year or so since she's turned babyface, essentially, has been. I she has been away from the title. She's gone after it. Hasn't gotten to it, and she's just been having essentially mid card feuds and just elevating it. Zoe Stark, another person who gained yes. something from, from from feuding with with Becky Lynch. It's it just doesn't. It, it's not, it doesn't equate, doesn't add up. And um, again, it's nonsense. 
pure nonsense. We made our case here, and I just think it's a dumb argument that lacks all logic. And I just wish that people would think before they tweet and be respectful at the same time because none of this makes sense. And to me, Becky has done the best work of her career since 2018, 2019. And I thought she did great work against Bianca Belair in 2022. But I think this last stretch when she was working with Trish and Zoe Stark and Tiffany Stratton and Tegan Knox and Zia Lee and Lyra Vicaria and Andy Hartwell, for example, she was able to elevate those ladies. Now, it's up to the powers that be to continue that momentum. Becky can only do so much, but she was the one that says, let me do this let me elevate people along the way let me give this some equity and she did so look what she did for Liv Morgan a couple of years ago as well she elevated Liv and then she was a champion later that year as well so you can't tell me that Becky's over pushed the only thing I would say that overstate is welcome was a damage control feud before damage control really hit their stride late last year as well that was a feud that was stale and went on for days on end and months on end it got tedious but outside of that Becky overpushed, not in my equation whatsoever. Yep. All right. So I just had to let Scott know that discourse from this morning as we move on to our next match, which is for the undisputed WWE tag team titles. It was the Judgment Day's Finn Balor and Damian Priest, the champs versus Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne. I thought this was a very good match. Tyler Bate, to me, was a standout. You give this guy time, he can show out. And he had Australia on their feet. The Perth crowd loved him. Damian Priest went for a spin, airplane spin style for a good 20 revolutions or so that popped the crowd. Pete Dunne, the bruiserweight is back. Good to see him in his element, just doing joint manipulation, messing with Finn's thumb, which I think was legit dislocated after the match was over. Then we had Dom out there causing trouble throughout this match, but I thought it was a really compelling battle. We had... Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn in position to win the titles a couple of times, but it wasn't meant to be as Finn Balor was able to get the assist from Priest as they took out Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn to retain the championships. I really enjoyed the action for what it was. I thought that the crowd was into it for the most part, which is a good thing. And I expect good things for Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn in the months to come. But I think that Scott's premonition of what will be at WrestleMania could be the Judgment Day versus the Awesome Truth for those tag team titles to give to give the Miz and our Truth a true WrestleMania moment, and I have to begrudgingly say it kind of sorta makes sense. Listen, I don't want to say I'm right. I don't want to toot my own horn. You know, I, Naomi stuff like that. I didn't call her being the first one eliminated in Black History Month. That's that's just egregious and disrespectful. But that's a whole other. That we'll leave Booker of the Year alone. You know, we'll, we'll let it. We'll let it. We'll let that one slide. Um, yeah, th- I, this the match was good. Um, it, it was good. You, you, we knew what was happening. We knew what was coming. Um, I, I like the T-shirt brand name they got going on. I'd like to uh, start getting my fits from there. Uh, what is it? The, 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 what is it? The catch can, catch can brand. What are they called? <laughs> the no catch something. Pack Sun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pack Sun. Team Pack Sun. 
no, the match was real good. I, I, I think Finn and, and Damian work really well together. They've formed a great chemistry. Pete Dunn and Tyler, um, Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate, they have a great chemistry as well. So the match was a lot of fun. I thought they did as much as they could to try to get the crowd involved and invested. Thought they did that well. I don't know what happened to Finn Balor's thumb at the end. Um, he couldn't move that thing, and it looked like it was just hanging on by a limb. But match was good. Uh, three and a half, uh, three and a half coup de gras. <laughs> that is a very fair assessment. I enjoyed the match, and yeah, awesome truth. They're so winning those tag team titles at WrestleMania. So are. But I, I did. can't wait for you to be cheering for the Miz at WrestleMania. Man. That man go hit a springboard double axe handle, having the crowd going nuts, <sighs> and he gonna be holding up two belts at WrestleMania. God, no! But oh, okay, fine, whatever. Um, and our truth will outwork him, but I digress. So, um. Yeah, I have to laugh at our truth though because he ended up in Austria, not Australia. <laughs> I'm like, what? I hope this wasn't like a legit trip he took because if it is, pay him double. That is just crazy. That man said, "I was I was ready to help out the guys. I wanted to see mommy. <laughs> I wanted to cheer. On. I I had everybody's cut. I sold some more shirts." Guess I'm gonna use that to fly back. Yes, I looked and I said, "This does not look like Australia to me. This looks like Austria." Yeah, it is Austria, dude. <sighs> Our truth never change. But yes, really fun tag team match. As we get to now, our intermission, which is the Grayson Waller effect, which is special guest. The 2023 and 2024 Men's Warrior Rumble winner, Cody Rhodes, and the World Heavyweight Champion, Seth freaking Rollins. Now, as we teased earlier in the show, we talked about how the pyro budget in Perth went crazy for the Elimination Chamber. So, you know, Cody comes out, customary entrance, the fans sing his song, his pyro off the main stage. That is normal protocol. Then he gets in the ring, more pyro fires off. That is normal protocol. Then we get an impromptu fireworks display out of nowhere for Cody's introduction. I love Cody. If you're not winning an important elimination chamber match, if you're not winning the main event in your home country, if this is not WrestleMania, if this is not the main event, if this is not the most grandiose introduction you can possibly get that calls for egregious fireworks, why are we being so extra with Cody's entrance in Australia when he gets a full-on fireworks spectacular? This was not the Macy's 4th of July fireworks special. I, I was... Wow. Now I'm wondering, what are we going to be doing for WrestleMania? So I expect, as we talked about last year, Scott, I expect fireworks. I expect drones. I expect expensive pyro. I expect a flyover. I expect everything. And then some of this guy got fireworks for an entrance and he's not even wrestling. Um, They're going to have parachutes. Uh, and uh, people are going to be dropping out the sky. And when they open the parachutes, they're going to come together and form his tattoo. Um, <laughs> I, you know, when, when people ask, you know, at WrestleMania, why Seth Rollins turned heel, 
<laughs> there you go. Um, how disrespectful. Grayson Waller had a nice entrance. You know, crowd was going crazy. Seth Rollins had them singing his song. You know, he has. And then Cody was like, oh, yeah, watch this. <laughs> Cody was like, hey, Liv, watch me. <laughs> um, I. It, yeah, that was that was something. Uh, maybe this is his WrestleMania moment. Maybe this is him telling us, I'm not winning at WrestleMania, so enjoy me. This is what my pyro would have looked like. Here you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I won't be throwing this up. I I, I, I thought this was a, a bit elaborate. Mm-hmm. I thought so, too. I was rolling with it. Then I saw the fireworks go off. Like, what the hell? Like, this is a bit much. Okay, this is a bit extra. It ain't WrestleMania, but... I sat on it. So we get to the heart of this interview and we found out that Seth Rollins is days away from being medically cleared to compete, which is really good news. We were really worried about him heading into WrestleMania with that, with that partially torn meniscus. I hope he's not rushing back, but he has been on every television show since the first of the year. He has not skipped a beat and I admire him traveling with a bum knee during rehab during the week. He is really the workhorse when he's in the ring or not. I love Seth for that. Respect that man always. But then we get to the lead story of Cody Rhodes not forgetting that The Rock slapped him during that press conference a couple of weeks ago, and he is challenging The Rock to a match. And Seth says, well, you do realize when you make a challenge like that, you're not just challenging The Rock, you're challenging Roman Reigns, you're challenging the bloodline, and I'm here to provide backup when you need it. So I am sensing that very soon we could be getting the new mega powers, Cody and Seth versus The Rock and Roman Reigns at night one of WrestleMania as the main event. I do sense that. We have Grayson Waller and Austin Theory trying to start trouble and and his mouth a bit too much trying to imitate the rock talking about it doesn't matter what you think can you smell what austin theory is cooking and then seth was egging him on being fake entertained and then he proceeds to curb stomp austin theory and cody hits the cutter as well and then we have grayson waller in the cut just watching to say hmm oh well not my problem yeah, and uh, this could be the start of the uh, Grayson Waller-Austin Theory breakup, even though I think they needed a nice run as a team. The segment was good. It did what it was supposed to do. Um, you know, Cody, uh, not Cody, Seth Rollins decided to bring out his third eye, so I guess he was trying to look into the future. Um, but segment was fine. I, you know, part of me wonders if they do do the tag match because, you know, there's a lot of mileage in Bailey and EO Sky. And there's a lot to them closing out night one, main eventing night one. And because I easily think you could do that tag match. And I mean, what better way to open the show than to have those two, that four open the show? Obviously, The Rock's not going to open the show, but I just, I, if that is the plan, I feel for Bailey and EO, man, because that match has got everything you need. Great story. You're going to have a, you're going to have a classic match. Um, the crowd is fully invested in behind Bailey and want her to win and, and get her moment. It just, it sucks, man. But this is, I mean, this is part of the game, but I do feel for Bailey and EO sky. If this is the plan. 
I do as well because they've been moving numbers on SmackDown. They have the second best story heading into WrestleMania, I do believe. And I think that Bailey is more than worthy to main event night one of WrestleMania if this is not going to be the play. Maybe that'd be a play for Backlash in France, potentially. I would prefer that over them having this match at WrestleMania and preserve Seth at the same time. I think that would be a really cool thing to see. But then again, if you're trying to have The Rock turn on Roman at WrestleMania, then the tag team match doesn't work as well a month later. But it's a tough spot because I do want that main event for Bailey. It makes sense. You're going to tell a really great story on SmackDown because Dakota Kai is medically medically clear to compete again. And they're vying for the tag team titles against the Kabuki Warriors this Friday on SmackDown. We expect absolute heartbreak because we can see what's going to happen because Bailey, why did you ever believe that Dakota was attacked by damage control? Have you learned nothing from trick Williams? Phantom attacks don't exist. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, who does Bailey have to turn to? Cause it's a numbers game. That's the that's the story of all the title matches, you know, of, of the, the SmackDown side of the title matches. It's a numbers game. Who does Bailey turn to? You know, who who does she even have on the SmackDown side? She 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 balled Shotzi in storyline. You know, she she cut she got her all messed up, had her shave her head. So who who does she turn to? Her and Bianca have had a hell of a history, hell in a cell included. Obviously, you know, there's a redemption story there. Bianca's the ultimate good guy, so she's gonna she will help if she asks for it. But who who does Bailey have? That's where I think a Jade could come in because she's a neutral. There is no issue there yet. She doesn't know her, so she might give her a shot. But I yeah, I'm fully expecting the 301, you know, for them to, to turn into a 401. And then I think then we'll see who it could be. And I think that'd be a nice spot for Jade to come in and just clean house. Agreed. So Bailey needs some friends. She'll get some. Probably Bianca. Definitely Jade for sure. Need a couple of more friends to even the odds, but we'll see how it goes. But yeah, that's one of the best stories heading into WrestleMania. And I think it's worthy of being the main event if it's not going to be the new mega powers versus the bloodline and we'll see how it goes. But the tease is laid out there. You're not going to make a tease for it not to happen. So I do expect that to be the play in the weeks to come. The rock will be back on SmackDown this Friday, I believe alongside of woman Reigns. So we'll see how that challenge goes over with them heading into the heart of WrestleMania season. But all in all, this was a nice 20 minute time killer to get over Grayson Waller as a hometown hero and to establish Cody and Seth as partners heading into WrestleMania, egregious pyro and fireworks included. Yeah. And, uh, I thought Grayson held his own pretty well. I thought he his little quips were pretty good. Um, Austin Theory was Austin Theory. Still a big fan of his, but he's he's just stuck in a rut. But, yeah, I, Grayson came off pretty well. At least you can accept reality, Scott. I try to tell you this for over a year, that John Cena was right, that if you beat me at WrestleMania, nothing will change. And sure enough, nothing has changed for Austin Theory. Yeah, it's wild. A year a year ago, he won the Elimination Chamber to retain his U.S. title, and then went on to defeat Cena. This year, he's in a segment with Grayson Waller getting beat down. Mm. Hmm. So much for that win and elevation. Hmm. As predicted.
by one Jonathan Felix Cena. Oh, well. As we now get to the men's Elimination Chamber match involving the aforementioned Bobby Lashley, we have Drew McIntyre in the mix, L.A. Knight, Logan Paul, Randy Orton, and Kevin Owens. Now, I have to say that Kevin Owens wins best entry to a venue of the day because he rode up holding a koala bear. <laughs> I mean, what, what more needs to be said? <laughs> What what do you what do you, what, what do I say? <laughs> what do I say to enhance that image? <laughs> it was the cutest thing, Kevin Owens. That that monster, because he's because <laughs> he just goes maniacal when he steps in the ring, being all cuddly with a little koala. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling him Cuddly Kevin, Cuddly Kevin, Cuddly, cuddly Kevin. Kevin the Koala. Yes, cuddly Kevin the koala bear because that was a visual. He walks in <laughs> with his luggage and he's holding a koala bear. I'm like, first of all, how did the, the koala get past security? How far did the koala get? Did Kevin return the koala bear? I don't know. But it was truly the cutest thing. And Kevin Owens <laughs> was something in this match. He was the pod MVP he was just going crazy in the pod, antagonizing everyone, getting in punches on people when he's not even in the match yet. And honey, I had to think, Kevin, my dear, um, if you keep bumping your head into that pod, I know it's not real glass. It's like pexy, but you're going to get a concussion. It was reminding me of when Goldberg would knock himself out by hitting his head against the door. Like, Calm down, Kevin. It's all good. But I loved his crazy ass energy. We got Logan Paul in a pot with a Sharpie and he's writing Kevin sucks and having devil horns because he's bored because you're mic'd up in the pod. And I just really enjoyed the the craziness of the personalities in this match. Bobby Lashley had a great showing as he was whooping ass. Poor Logan Paul took a whooping from pod to pod and Kevin laying in punches through him into the, into the pexiglass. That was funny. And he speared Logan through the, through the pod and Kevin took a lick to you and Randy, Randy Orton, Randy, Keith Orton, Randall, the cell job of a lifetime, because we all know he's had back surgery over the last couple of years out for 18 plus months and he sold his back like it went out like the metal betrayed him. He could not move. He was writhing in pain. He was selling his ass off. I'm like, my God, is this real? But that was just that Spin and Orton just putting on a selling clinic to make us believe his back was broken again. I love that aspect of the story early on. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Orton's that guy. Um, you know, that's it's my favorite wrestler for a reason. He does this. Um, I thought he had a lot of energy when he came in. I was a little worried when he hit that DDT and then he just didn't move. I was like, oh, here we go. Um, but everything started to to get get you know started to get going again. Uh, again, Bobby Lashley, first one eliminated. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
questions just need to be asked. That's all I'm saying. Our truth just happens to be in the wrong place. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, man. I just need, I just need answers. I need answers. I need, you know, um, but the, I thought the match was good. It wasn't as good as the women's, um, but this was a, a good match. Logan Paul, again, he is a wrestler. I, I don't care what anybody says. He's a wrestler. He, he takes the bumps. He, he has the personality down. He, he's got it, man. He's, he's everything you could ask for. This was a Drew McIntyre show. You know, I talked about how the first, the elimination chamber for the women was all about Tiffany, Tiffy time. This was all about Drew McIntyre. He, he was the glue in this match. He, you know, he started the match. He ended the match. He, he was, he was the guy in this match, the key piece. And he won the match. Um, he, he's, he's going on to WrestleMania. I fully expect him to come out of that as the champion due to some bloodline shenanigans. But uh, again, this match was good. And uh, I loved Oh, you know what? I do want to talk about something. I know you're going to get to it in a second, but I we got to talk about the greatest, the greatest form of hating. Yes, I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. You know, yes. there's there's levels to certain things. You know, like you know, I, I I've seen some real hate. You know, and I in real life and TV shows, I've seen some real hate. But for someone to take a flight out of their own pocket because they weren't booked, <laughs> they didn't have a match. Take to take time out of their day and ring gear and all too, ring gear and all, um, and just to to perfectly time and wait for an elimination and run into the ring and, and just wallop old L.A. Knight with the chair. I'm talking about you, flat earther. I'm talking about you. Okay. <laughs> talking about you. I'm surprised you didn't fall off the earth just flying straight off since it's flat. Um <laughs> you uh you 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 are the greatest hater of all time, AJ Styles. You know, my man was in this match. Love me some Drew McIntyre. That is a man that will get unlimited cheddar biscuits out of me at all times. I love him. He is, up until yesterday, he was a tremendous generational hater. When he prayed that CM Punk got hurt, that was generational hate. And put that man on a t-shirt, generational hate. However, AJ Styles said, hold my beer. I have something to say. The South has something to say, to quote Outcast. So, Alan Jones decided to book a flight to Perth, Australia. He sat on a plane for 24 hours and he was on his Silky Johnson player hater shit from the, from the Chappelle show, plotting revenge on a man. His sole purpose was to get on a plane, go to Perth, sneak in the chamber, and whoop LA Nice ass with a steel chair, hit the Styles Clash on night with on the steel chair, which allowed you McIntyre to get the win. AJ Styles, the best new generational hater 
in WWE today. Disappointing direction for LA Knight. Guess he's not going after the uh, the U.S. title, but uh, I guess uh, I, I guess him and the I guess it's the yeah versus the lone wolf. Um, I <laughs> didn't see that coming. So there's that. Um, as far as the match goes, there wasn't honestly there wasn't a lot to this match. It was it was good, but there wasn't a lot to this match. Um, nobody had like a great standout performance like in the women's match, but uh, three and three and three and three quarter koalas uh, for this match. You're cute. You're cute. Okay, I will go three and a quarter koala bears. Okay. I honestly kind of dozed off midway through this match because, as you said, not a lot happened. I was stunned that Logan Paul did not do more. He did a dive off the pot, and that was it. And I was like, wow, this was your element to kind of ball out. And I have to say that from last year, still Elimination Chamber MVP is Montez Ford, and nobody stopped that performance he did in that chamber last year. And I was surprised how muted Logan Paul was. He took a great beating, but he was muted in terms of what he did. Kevin Owens, still he's still nursing a fractured ankle injury, but he hit his spots as well when need be. Bobby did what he needed to do. Drew McIntyre was that guy in there. Randy Orton was a great seller, but there was not like a lot of movement in this match. The women did a lot more. I prefer that match because it was a lot more fluid. You had a lot more action. And I just thought this match was by the numbers, told a story. We had the player haters in there causing trouble. And Drew McIntyre was a benefactor for all of it. But I will say that Logan Paul loading up the brass knucks and getting RKO'd by Randy was hilarious. And then Logan Paul, as I predicted, I said, I want to see Logan Paul and Randy Orton get spicy. And they did when Logan Paul got back in that chamber and knocked out Randy, which allowed Drew McIntyre to get the victory. So I'm sensing maybe a multi-man match with Logan Paul, Kevin Owens, and Randy Orton for the U.S. Championship at WrestleMania. And that could be a great match. And as expected, I think that Logan Paul will take one of the most spectacular RKOs in midair by Randy when it's all said and done. You know, I actually think we might get Logan Paul standing tall at WrestleMania retaining his title over over Randy Orton. I could see them having a singles match and I if if it's not like an LA Knight, you know, somebody who can really be elevated from the title, I think Logan Paul retains. I I think he retains that title, keeps it. I could see him losing it on the Raw after WrestleMania. You know, them him saying, "You know, you know what? I'm going to and you know what? I'm I'm so confident I'll defend my title in the Raw after Mania. Get people to show up for that, or or the SmackDown or whatever. But if it's a one on one versus Randy, I or even that triple threat you said, I got Logan Paul retaining. It's very possible, but I I still think he'll take a spectacular KO. He won't get pinned. I think the pin will be broken up by Kevin Owens, for example. But he will take a spectacular RKO. I don't doubt that he'll still win somehow, but that's just my sense. And that prediction came true. I wanted Randy and Logan Paul to get into it and they did. And it could be building to something at WrestleMania. Yeah. I, they're definitely doing something with Randy and, uh, and Logan and we'll see what KO does. Sammy also doesn't have a direction. Maybe, maybe the awesome truth thing is all a, a misfire and 
KO and Sammy somehow come back together to go after the tag titles again since neither of them have a direction so far. So who knows? But I, the Randy Orton, Logan Paul thing is intriguing. Very much so. Very much so. So I'm into it. Match was all right for what it was. Kind of, you know, there it existed. Not a lot of movement in this match. There was no high flying except Logan Paul. And even he did very little in this match, which surprised me. But I expect he's holding back into WrestleMania, which makes sense. But it's fine. Good match. Solid. Respectable. Then we get to our main event of the evening, which was Rhea Ripley versus Nia Jax for the Women's World Championship. Rhea got this wonderful homecoming. As Scott said, she got the cane pyro, not the fireworks initially. And she was just living it up. She was very emotional, as you can tell. When you're performing in front of your family and fans, it's quite emotional and overwhelming. And she felt that. And I really love the atmosphere. I love the moment that Rhea had in her home country. And then Nia Jax comes out there and she's been, I have to say, on a run. She came back improved in better shape. She came back focused and she came back better. This was a really good championship match. This might have been Nia Jax's finest performance to date. I go to her match against Becky Lynch for day one on Monday Night Raw. Then, of course, her matches against Ronda Rousey, which at the time were her best matches in WWE. But her and Rhea Ripley worked great together. Rhea played from underneath. She was taking a beating. Samoan drops. She got the annihil... She got the... Annihilator in the corner for a near fall. She got some more dropped through the announce table. She got powerbombed numerous times by Nia Jax, but Rhea Ripley was able to power through, land a superplex off the middle rope, followed by the Riptide for the victory to retain the Women's World Championship. She finally got a fireworks display at the end, celebrated with her family, enjoyed that celebration for her in her home country, but a really strong physical match went about 15 minutes and Nia Jax has proven that she was worth the second chance that she was released a couple of years ago by WWE came back and she earned that check and she's been able to deliver really good matches and she's not hurting people which is a bigger blessing as well she's playing to her strengths as a monster that deserves a bit more respect from the people. I'm tired of the what chance. Naya can talk on the mic. That is not an issue. She does not deserve to get wetted at this point. She's a monster. I think it's time for the people to start respecting that a bit more and just give her that space to really cook as a heel on the main roster. Yeah, I think Naya's been fantastic. Um, and you have a lot you can still do with her what her story is, you know, now, you know, I talked about Bianca, what, what her possible story could be now that she doesn't have a direction. Same thing with Nia. Obviously I fully expect her to just start, you know, destroying people going crazy. She's going to be pissed off. She doesn't know what to do. Who maybe that's where Jay comes in. You know, somebody's got to come in and stop the monster because she's about to go on a rampage. And the only person who was really going to stop the monster was Rhea. And we just did that. So now who's going to be the next person to climb that mountain and stop the monster? And I, I, you know, I'm curious to see who that's going to be, who's going to step up and have that big moment at WrestleMania. Um, the match was good. Rhea Ripley pulled out some, some nice baby face moves. She changed up her repertoire a little bit. Um, she's a star. She is a top tier 
top caliber star. She's getting talked about on the Joe Budden podcast. Like she is being brought up in different platforms and different demos um, and, 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 and kind stratospheres and conversations that you would not expect a Rhea Ripley to get brought up in. Um, she's, she's got something special to her. Her and, and Becky is going to be a great match at WrestleMania. She set a high bar for herself considering what her and Charlotte did last year. So we'll see if they can do that. But uh, this gets three and three and a half, uh, three and a half riptides for me for this one. I uh, Good main event, sent the crowd home happy. And uh, I thought Rhea came out great. But I, I do wonder legit what the plan is now for Nia Jax because you've done way too good of a job just to have her in some like battle royal or multi-women match. What is the plan for her going into WrestleMania? Yes, she's got to be remaining in this position to be the monster. Should not be in a battle royal. She should really be next in line for the women's championship, whoever comes out on top via Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, Mommy versus the man. I think that is going to be a really great WrestleMania match. And Nia Jax has a claim to a shot, especially against Becky, since she beat her earlier this year. So I'm all for that as well. And as for you speaking about Rhea Ripley crossing over from professional wrestling to the mainstream, I also have to mention, I saw a Rhea tweet be retweeted by someone in the adult film industry. I'm just saying, man, you know, mommy got the cheeks and <laughs> I, let's just keep it a buck. Mommy, mommy got the cheeks and people paying attention, you know, um, the, the, the image going around from the first thing I saw when I put on Twitter this morning, before I even got, got to the show was of Nia Jax having mommy in that half Boston crab in the cheeks. Like <laughs> it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? She's a beautiful girl, but she can go in the ring. She's got this, this badass persona to her. Like she's just, she is literally everything you could ask for. And she's not, she's not your typical, like and nothing about her is typical. Like she's, she's lightning in a bottle and they need to just give her whatever she wants. When she when it's time to you, you you back the Brinks truck, you I'm sorry you back her new her new tour bus with the money <laughs> that you're gonna pay her with because she's like that and and again WWE just the abundance of riches they have in that women's division and that's just not even talking about who's on the come up like the Tiffany's and and the Roxanne's like they just. They got it. They got a lot of women in that pipeline, man. They really do. And what's crazy is that back in 2019, that was the word we kept saying about Rhea Ripley that she has next. So she's 23 years old. Like WWE, don't screw this up. And for a time, they almost did. They almost did. A few years ago at WrestleMania, when she was called up too soon, when she was a replacement for Charlotte Flair, and it was kind of out of place, and her and Asuka had negative chemistry at the time, and they had to work through those kinks. And it was an adjustment period for Rio for sure, but it took 2022 being in Judgment Day to fully figure it out. And last year was her year, and this year is her year as well. And she is 
that woman. She just has this magnetism about her that attracts everybody. She's beautiful. She's an unconventional type type of beauty that you really gravitate towards. She's a badass. She can work at a high level. She's beautiful. She's charismatic. And you just want her to succeed. And as you said, pay her every dollar that she's worth because this was spoken into existence years ago and it's paid off like this was one thing that we said like she's 23 now she's what 27 years old and she has really hit that level of greatness and she's not even in her prime yet which is scary there's still a ways for her to go and there's still money feuds we have yet to see especially the one they've been hiding from us for years Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair on the main roster. When are we going to get that match? Yeah, I think that's coming at SummerSlam Um, because Bianca's got to stay undefeated at WrestleMania. So that's coming at SummerSlam, I think. But yeah, this is a good times for uh, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan, especially with or it should be good time to be a, a wrestling fan right now with the women's division, as long as they do what they're supposed to. Exactly. They still got to take care of the mid-card a bit and the women's tag team title scene, but the health of the main scene of the ladies is pretty good. The potential's there, and the NXT pipeline is crazy with a lot of talented ladies that are going to get better in the years to come as well. As we now put a bow on this show, the Elimination Chamber from Perth, Australia. So, Scott, on a scale from 1 to 10, Kangaroos, your final score for elimination chamber i'm sorry i had to go to the kangaroos let's do uh let's do six hops <laughs> we'll do it we'll do we'll do a solid six hops in one pouch <laughs> the pouch the pouch is for mommy <laughs> i'm always gonna add, i'm all anytime mommy performs i'm always gonna add a pouch you know something since you did the kangaroos we're gonna hop with the pouch okay all right so i'm gonna up the ante a bit i won't say six hops in a pouch i would say six and a half joeys oh wow all right and a pouch and a pouch yes I can't resist the pouch either. But yes, really fun show. I dozed off. I'm not going to lie during the men's chamber match because it wasn't that exciting. But the rest of the show, I really enjoyed the women's elimination chamber match. I'm going to say it best I've ever seen from the ladies in six generations. They delivered on a high level and they were given time, which has been my complaint for past matches. They got cut off around 20 minutes. They got the time to ball out. And I was really impressed with what the ladies did in this match in Perth, Australia. But overall, fun show, nice time killer, predictable, but not in a bad way. As the road to WrestleMania continues, we are a little under a month, a little over a month away. And to WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia, it should be a great two nights of wrestling in the city of brotherly love. And I expect this to be one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time when it's all said and done. And what's great about this is WrestleMania is the fact that even though things are predictable, the people that did not win, it leads to a lot of unpredictability because we don't know where things are going to go. But I think when it's all said and done, everything will be in its proper place 
everything's going to be where it's meant to be. And it's going to be a very memorable and unforgettable WrestleMania 40. Yeah, 40 is going to be special. Um, and I'm not talking about the 40. I'm going to chug while watching it. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's going to be a great show. Looking forward to it. Um, this is, uh, even though we're getting a, a rematch at the top and, uh, you know, Becky, Rhea, Bailey, like, we, even though we're getting the matches we assumed probably six months ago, the intrigue and are they going to finish their stories? Like, that's that's a great tagline for this entire WrestleMania. Is Bailey going to finish her story? Is Becky going to finish her story of, of continuing her overpush? Um, is Cody Rhodes, <laughs> yeah, because she's so overpushed. Uh, is Cody Rhodes going to going to finish his story? Uh, I I think that's just the perfect tagline for this year. Would Drew McIntyre finish his story? Absolutely, absolutely. Will he win in front of humans? We don't know. Will Sami Zayn find a path to WrestleMania? Will he finish his story? That should be the tagline. Who will finish your story at this year's WrestleMania? We shall see about that. But that's the intriguing part because it can go in any number of directions and it won't be a wrong one when it's all said and done. We cannot wait to dive into what will be on Raw and SmackDown and even NXT in the next few weeks heading into WrestleMania 40. So on that note, I want to wrap things up by thanking Perky Scott Young for joining me to recap the highs and lows of Elimination Chamber from Perth, Australia. Thank you for having me, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. Uh, I look forward to continuing our, our conversation about how Becky Lynch is uh, just dominating and destroying the women's division. Um, <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what she does next week on Raw. I know she's just going to just going to destroy everyone and talk about how trash everyone is. Um, but yeah, no, this is a, a great fun conversation and uh, look forward to uh, next week. Yes. We're back on schedule for the rest of the WrestleMania season. Be back on your airwaves next Monday morning, recapping the week that was across raw SmackDown and NXT as we begin a new series as to why Becky Lynch is overpushed. Because that needs to be a discussion had on this show to explain the reasons why she is bearing the women's division one woman at a time. Yeah, that'll that'll definitely be a, a new weekly segment. I can't I can't wait to, to do that. The new discourse that makes zero fucking sense. But hey, we're gonna talk about it right here on the wrap for your listening pleasure. But until next week, that's this week. So for myself and for Perky Scott Young, take care of yourselves. Enjoy the week ahead for WWE across Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. And we'll be back next Monday recapping it all for your listening pleasure. So until then, take care and bye-bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.